3: That's stamps.com. Code program.
4: Hi, I'm Kate Thornton, and welcome to Up Close and Socially Distant, a brand new show being launched in lockdown. As around the world, more than 3 billion people stay home, as collectively we try to find and fight our way through the coronavirus pandemic. And every week I'm gonna be having video catch-ups with people who are doing whatever they can in whatever unique and special way they can to help us through lockdown from frontline heroes.
5: We are on the front line, we're only human, uh, and knowing that people are supporting us, that people are recognising that, you know, we are taking risks, you know, personal risks, and we're doing our very best is, is, is an amazing thing. We all play a part in this, and those who are staying at home that are self-isolating, you are saving lives in what you're doing. For
4: famous faces,
5: We need to understand and value food a lot
6: more. I've been saying that and preaching it for decades. We can't take stuff for granted. It can easily be taken away from us. And you learn to respect it and everybody that produces it and everybody else that supplies it.
4: And the amazing men and women who are launching incredible initiatives simply to help others.
7: When we're talking about homelessness, homelessness is the last resort. To get to that resort, there was a lot of different problems, even if it was loneliness, loss of families. So I'm trying to say to people right now, this is something we've never seen before, never been through before, but we have to stay positive. We have to stay strong and we all need to stick together.
4: My first guest is working on the front line from the epicenter of the coronavirus. He's an AE doctor who for the last two years has been working at University Hospital in Lewisham. And you'll also know him as Dr. Alex George from 2018's Love Island. So Alex, I can't thank you enough for finding the time to talk to me. I know you've just finished, I think, was it four days of back-to-back shifts in A&E? Yeah. Um, can you just kind of talk me through how you're all coping at a time when I know our NHS has never been more challenged and under pressure?
5: So we are expanding our capacity as much as we can. There's obviously a limit to that. There's a limited number of beds. We are waiting for more ventilators. They are promised to us. We we have um, had delivery of some, but we need more. Um, And the other issue is staffing amongst that. It's not just about having equipment, it's about the staff as well. We have a limited number of nurses and doctors. Uh, We know that we've been understaffed in NHS for many years, and that's being exposed now, of course. Um, In terms of protective equipment, uh, we have, at the moment, enough in Lewisham hospital where I'm working, but there's certainly times where you worry the stock becomes a bit low, but then we get topped up quite quickly, which is good. And that is very important. It's absolutely crucial and, an, and only right, really, that we have the equipment. We need to stay as safe as we can. Realistically, do I think I'm going to catch coronavirus? Probably. I mean, I'm spending you know, days and days and hours and hours on end with people with really high levels of the virus. The chance of me catching it is probably pretty high. We've got between 15 to 20 um, colleagues in the hospital who are displaying symptoms without having to self-isolate. And that is a huge toll as well because if most people have families, most people are living with people at home. So if they're, uh, if they're displaying symptoms, that's potentially, well, 14 days of not having that staff mem- member on the front line, which is that's a huge pressure. You know, it's a lot of people to have off sick, you know, in one, only one department. Uh, and that's only going to, you know, cause more problems. And that is why, actually, the other part of this is testing is so important. Yeah. We need to have, uh, as soon as possible, widely available testing for all staff members in the front line, all paramedics, carers, anyone who's, you know, really seeing high risk patients. We need to have those tests that we know that if we're isolating at home, it's because we have it, not because we might have it. And also, of course, in time, we need to have our antibody tests because the antibody test will give us an answer of are we immune? Because if I know I've got immunity to the virus, that makes me a bit more comfortable, a bit more reassured being in those high risk environments.
4: We were informed by scientists that we needed to prepare for such a situation. And apparently those reports weren't even published because they were just too terrifying Mm -hmm. in terms of what they meant. And here we are living the reality of that
5: yeah and it, it's so important we just get our tests as quickly as we can i think they're saying at the moment we're now reaching uh a thousand to two thousand tests a day which are hope to ramp up by mid-april to at least ten thousand tests a day um if, if anything it should be more like you know twenty-five thousand. hopefully by then i think that's so important we've got to have people on frontline tested that's just absolute basics and then you know we need to roll out into the community so that we know who's had it who hasn't had it, who remains to be very vulnerable to it because they haven't had it. And 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 also know, you know, are we developing immunity? We need to have some data about whether our population in the UK is developing herd immunity, because that is important. I know this confuses people. We don't want everyone to catch the virus at once because that puts pressure on the department. But over time, we do need to build up some level of immunity, you know, amongst us, amongst the population over a gradual period of time so that essentially we haven't got as many potential carriers. Because if you're immune to it, as long as your hand hygiene is good, you can obviously still have contact with the virus and touch other things, but you will not be a potential carrier. You're not going to be a super spreader if you're someone who's immune. You should be able to, your body should be able to react to it and deal with it before you're able to mount enough viral load that you can give it to other people.
4: So testing, if we can ask our government for one thing right now, please, 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 can we rush these tests through so that guys and girls like you on the front line, are given the care and the, the duty of care that we owe you as frontline workers.
5: And so what's frustrating as well, I guess another part of it is that we are seeing patients who I you know, think quite likely has coronavirus, uh, but because we're not admitting some of these patients, we therefore can't test them. You know, our guidance at the moment is not to test people that you're sending home. So it's very frustrating for someone who's coming to a and I told you, I th- told them, I think you've got coronavirus. Given your blood test, given your chest X-ray, you're well enough to 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 go home based on your, you know, your observations and how your your you're clinically doing but I can't do the swab because we don't have the capacity to swab all the patients we're sending home we're prioritizing quite rightly those that have been admitting but it's very frustrating for a patient to go well I just want to be tested to know
4: how do you hope things will change for the NHS once we've come through this what have we learned and what must we learn from an experience like this pandemic
5: that's a great question. I think part of it, I've you know, from being completely honest, I think people will realize how important the NHS is. I'm not saying people didn't realize that before, but I think there it can be an element of complacency. We have, I think, the best healthcare system in the world. We're incredibly fortunate to have what we have, but we have to nurture, nourish, and protect it. We can't allow our government to, you know, governments to strip it back. We can't allow it to be underfunded. We can't allow our staff to be. Um, not looked after and respected properly. And I think, you know, this will change. I think people realise that the NHS is something incredible. It will always be there to pick you up when when you're down and it will always be there to support you when you need it. But it needs to be looked after. It is not something that can just be kind of stripped back and to its bare bones. It has to be looked after properly.
4: I can't say thank you enough to you and your incredible colleagues. It makes me quite emotional to sit here and talk to you. And on behalf of everybody, just thank you. Our next guest is Solomon Smith. He's the founder of the Brixton Soup Kitchen, which he launched back in 2013 with his own money, having been distributing hot food from his mum's kitchen since he was the age of 12. Now, what these guys do by way of service is incredible. They deliver hot food to the homeless, food parcels, care packages, and they are committed, despite all of the restrictions of lockdown, to carry on staying open and helping those that really, really do need their help. But right now... Their hands are kind of tied and they really do need our support. Solomon, thank you so much for joining us. How's it going over there?
7: Um, we've literally, we've had to first, about three weeks ago, we had to close down the centre. And we was very determined not to just close down the service, but to still keep the service going. So we decided to um, to get chefs to still come in, not have as much volunteers um, in the centre. I literally just make food packs, um, make hot meals, um, give it out to the homeless um, outside with social distancing and also um, making sure that we don't forget about the elderly because I think a lot of the times, you know, we tend to forget about the ones that, even though we're helping the vulnerable, like the homeless, but, you know, what also hits in that criteria is also the elderly as well.
4: Now, you must be facing the same challenges that every everybody is feeling at the moment how are your access uh routes to things like food in bulk orders because you if people rely on you for not just one hot meal a day probably the only meal of their day um have you got everything that you need at the moment and if not how can we help
7: um right now um a lot of our main resources has all closed down so we was getting a lot of donations from you know, like Nando's and Pret A and a lot of different um, shops and supermarkets. Yeah. And literally through this whole craziness, you know, a lot of the shops closed down. So, um, so for about two weeks, Nando's has closed down. So they were us with a lot of fresh meat and um, things like that as well. Uh, we would get a lot of donations. So will, even if it's from the schools, colleges, universities where people will come. And so we've also got a food bank on site as well. So people give us, you know, a lot of tins and um, a lot of rice and things like that. That's completely stopped. Um, mm. And it's just hard because, you know, our numbers keep on rising. We're getting a lot of phone calls every day where people say, you know, they're, you know, that they can't leave their house. So I've literally got about um, about eight volunteers literally driving, even though it's meant to be locked down. Um, we've literally had to keep on driving around, going into different corner shops, supermarkets, seeing what we could buy and literally making, buying shopping and literally pulling it on their doorstep.
4: So you're really feeling the squeeze at the moment and you must be seeing, like you say, uh, there, a, a huge increase in demand for your services, uh, especially with the homeless who are so vulnerable. What, what is the coronavirus impact for them right now?
7: Literally, I'm still trying to find that myself. So I'm just trying to find the government papers when they were saying that the homeless people were gonna be put into homes and put into, into hotels. Um, I've still not found that information. So literally still being going onto the streets, you know, um, putting food packs down you know, and it's just literally just been, it's literally been a crazy disaster because they don't know what to do. And I'm not knowing the information, what the government's being told to kind of share that information.
4: I was going to ask you about this, Solomon, because uh, when this first happened, there was a lot of talk, wasn't there, about hotels that are sat empty in our capital. Hundreds and hundreds of hotel rooms were going to be handed over to NHS and key, key workers, but also to the homeless, because... Social distancing when you're sleeping on the streets isn't isn't very easy, and yet this has gone horribly quiet. Is that what you're saying?
7: Like I've not, I've literally contacted a lot of hotels. They said they they don't know nothing about it. Um, I've caught I've tried to, I've sent numerous emails, literally not not heard anything back. So when a lot of people, especially like our service users, are kind of letting us know where to go, I literally don't know where to turn them.
4: But this is tough. And, you know, at the moment, we're I mean, everybody is is living through this crisis. But these people that you're helping, they are the most vulnerable. Normally, they would have access via your your services to legal care and advice, counselling. It's not just food that you give them. It's care packages as well. Obviously, right now, you don't have any of the answers to impart. How can we help you to help them? What pressure can we put on and to whom?
7: Um, I would say let's definitely put that we need to put the pressure onto the government just to kind of just see where, you know, where could we house and put vulnerable people in a safe position. Um, also, we definitely need um, funding. We definitely need, you know, your donation. If you could put into our into our funding page and then what we would literally do is go out. It's hard for us to go, you know, cash and carry what we usually do. But even if it's us going to a local supermarket, to a local corner shop, buying hand sanitizers. unfortunately the shops have upped their prices with hand sanitizers and toilet rolls. But at the same time, I can't battle with them because at the same time we need it now, now, now. And, you know, the elderly need it, the homeless need it, you know. So we're literally trying to dispatch. But literally once we dispatch, we don't have anything. So we definitely need um, funding support.
4: This is going to okay, result in huge mass unemployment, which then results in high levels of homelessness. How are organisations like you equipped to help as this problem increases and becomes what we can say, it's going to become worse?
7: So when, I, when, when we're talking about homelessness, homelessness is the last resort. And yeah. to, to get to that resort, there was a lot of different problems, even if it was loneliness, loss of families, mental health, and then, you know, and then it could lead to homelessness. So I'm trying to say to people right now, this is something what we've never seen before, never been through before, but we have to stay positive. We have to stay strong and we all need to stick together.
4: But if people are watching this, um, Solomon, and they're worried about how they're going to feed their family, how they're going to keep that roof over their heads, where do they go at a time like this for for, in, for advice and support? Um,
7: I would say definitely go on to gov.uk, um, look, out, um, look out for different um, funding schemes. So there's a lot of different funding schemes, even if it's, you know, giving you money vouchers to go to your local Tesco's in Iceland. Um, there's there's schemes where you, you can get money off your heating, your rent. Right. So please, please don't wait for the information to come to you. Go and look for the information because what I've come to realise, if um, these things won't sit on your lap, this literally you would have to go out and look. So please, guys, use this time to research, look, see the help that you need, you know. And um, again, please support the Bricks and Soup Kitchen to support you as well. You know, even though we're called Bricks and Soup Kitchen, we are absolutely everywhere. You know, we're on the ground. We we, we don't want our worst our worstest enemy is to see somebody going hungry. So our our main ethos is to try and feed everyone. But again, we can't do it alone.
4: So in the short term, we can help you by by putting our donations your way. And medium term, we all need to put pressure on the government to, in turn, uh, put the pressure on those hotel chains to open their doors to the city's most vulnerable, to get them off the streets at a safe social distance so that they become removed from the problem and not a, a, an even bigger part of it.
7: More stuff, more stuff.
4: Solomon, you are, a wonderful human being. You've been doing this, giving out food to the homeless since you were 12 years old. Uh, you started this project with your own money. And I really hope that in these difficult times, people really dig deep to help you prosper and continue. Thank you, sir, for all your hard work.
7: Thank you very Stay
4: much. You keep it up. Thank Stay you. safe. My next guest is chef and restaurateur, James Martin. And during lockdown, he has been busy making sure that he puts his resources to the very best of use, distributing the food uh, from the kitchens of his recently closed hotels and restaurants to those that need it most. So James, thank you so much for dialing in. Uh, talk me through what you and your team have been up to since lockdown.
6: We're doing this new scheme where we're linking old suppliers that, I've, that have been supplying restaurants to, to people um, uh, to being able to buy food for people at home. If that makes sense, to take the pressure away from supermarkets. So they're all busy. You know, Adam, I spoke to this morning, he's making a millionaire shortbread for the elderly people in, in his uh, area. So yeah, they're all keeping busy. And I'm doing pasta. I've never made so much bloody pasta in my life.
4: Yeah, you've got a pasta making setup at home, uh, which is, is is on an industrial scale almost. Uh, what are you doing?
6: So far, I've used 100 kilos of flour, 100 kilos of semolina flour, and over 1,000 eggs. Um, and I've got enough pasta for the village for probably a month, uh, probably a month and a half.
4: Tell me about how you've been helping to get supplies into care homes, which are populated, as we know, with our oldest and most vulnerable citizens here in the UK.
6: There was a, there was an item uh, on uh, ITV News that, that just sort of stopped me in the tracks on social media. It was an elderly lady, a lady called Libby, who, who was just uh, in a care home. Uh, She put a message out there to stop people bulk buying and they couldn't get bread for their care home and everything else. And the supply chain had stopped, so they were having to go out in the supermarket and all the problems that that uh, was now causing. So um, I kind of thought, how can I help? So I've got a friend of mine at Wellix. He owns Wellix, which is a big, big catering company, which sadly, you know, they lost a load of business when the restaurants and hotels closed. So we put our heads together and said, how can we help? And so they've set up little little sort of... um, almost like depot points around the country where people can go online order their uh, fruit and veg and it'll get picked up or delivered to you to their house and then that sprung out the back of of doing this sort of stuff for the care homes really and so we've sent 100 pies to the care homes Uh, I've put a load of money into a kitty to supply them with food for a period of time we've done the same thing with the NHS locally same thing with a hospice near us as well so you know we're doing our bit every little bit if you combine that with everything else that's happening around the country, everybody else helping out, it's um it's gonna change something.
4: And lots of other people in your line of work are showing great initiative. Claude a Michelin star uh, restaurateur, using his team and his fresh produce uh, to feed the homeless. Brilliant. 100%. Yeah, everybody's doing,
6: their, everybody's doing their bit. Paul Ainsworth's doing their bit in Cornwall. You know, you can't run a restaurant as it does normally, but you can learn to adapt and change and move and if you can do takeouts, if you can, there's a local pub near us that's doing uh, deliveries, uh, takeout meals, obviously running with skeleton staff and keeping uh, the requirements and the, the 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 standards that the government have set out. Um, but you you know at the end of the day, you're taking pressure off the supermarkets, and 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 you know sadly we relied on them too much, and now it's showing that we're relying on too much. The, the butchers have disappeared, the fishmongers have disappeared, so. But you can still go online. You can still get your produce online. You can still get uh, fish online from Cornwall delivered to your home. You can get meat delivered to your home. You know, you don't have to rely on the supermarkets that much.
4: And I think, you know, when when we come through this, James, you touched on this earlier. I think we'll view food so differently, having had to fight so hard for it and never be queued so long for it. What do you hope the change is going to be when we finally return to normal?
6: Obviously, we 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 need to understand and value food a lot more. I've been saying that and preaching it for decades, really, because I'm being a farmer's kid and and respecting food and respecting the people who produce food a lot more. And I think that will come out of it as well. You know, we can't take stuff for granted. It can easily be taken away from us. Um, and you learn to respect it and everybody that produces it and everybody else that supplies it. Uh, and, and and I think people will have a different outlook on it.
4: You know, you're a superstar for doing this. You are literally doing everything that you can, and I hope that that really does inspire people watching this to follow suit.
6: Anyway, It's a pleasure to give you a hand.
4: That's it for this week, but join me next week for more video calls with those doing all they can to get us through this pandemic. My huge thanks to this week's guests to Dr. Alex George, who's back on the wards in A&E, uh, to Solomon Smith, the founder of the Brixton Soup Kitchen, and of course, TV chef and restaurateur James Martin. And don't forget, if you know of people out there doing all they can to help, and you think we should shine a light on their great work, then get in touch and let us know. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, you can tweet us at Yahoo UK using the hashtag UpClose and socially distant. Thank you so much for watching. Stay safe and stay home.